0: Good morning, everyone. It is so glad to see all of your happy faces here. We just never know what the good Lord has in store for us. We just have to come through the door, don't we? So good. Uh, we had a couple of announcements. We wanted to, to remind the children from 5 to 7 this evening. They will be having special events, and their supper will be provided, parents. So I know they're excited to come doing all the playing tonight at 5 to 7. And, of course, we have a Wednesday evening of this coming week. Scott will be leading us in Bible study. And next Sunday, Scott will also be speaking to us. I want to, to tell you how thrilled I am. and Of all of, the, all of you who are continuing with your tithing, putting it in the box, mailing it in, stopping by and giving it, or giving it online. It's kept us afloat. <laughs> And and that's what God wants us to do, is to give. And I think it's wonderful that you have continued to keep as you always have upon your ties. Of course, you know it's disciplesstreet.org/give, and you can give on that line. I want to see what we have here. Okay, we um, are going to begin our worship service this morning, singing a beautiful, beautiful old song. How great thou art. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. a number of times. I know you know it well. Let's do that. restore seated. Children, you may go see what Miss Hannah has for you. these days when I'm up here and I hear that music, I'm going to let rip. I'm telling you, that just gives you, good. <laughs> you want to be a kid again, it's wonderful. <laughs> we do have a number of prayer requests you can note in your bulletin this morning. A couple that are not there, Kathy's uh, aunt, her Pat Blaylock, and her cousin, Perry Parker. Perry is having a heart cast tomorrow and would appreciate our prayers. And also, we're glad to say that Kazuko, Zanya, and Carrie's friend from Japan had a successful brain surgery Wednesday. But we want to continue to remember her in prayers. God binds and heals her body at this time. Also, we have Carvin Adams on a mission trip. We want to be sure and remember him that all goes well and that he will be speaking a number of times and I know he would appreciate our uplifting him in prayer in regards to that. Joe Crawford and his daughter Shelby both have COVID so we want to be sure and remember them that they will have a fast recovery and it will not be a serious case of the COVID. Ken McConnell is doing pretty good. Check with him in every now and then he still is a very sick young man and will appreciate all of our prayers. Let's see. Well, who else? We have them go to the Afghanistan situation. We need to remember that. Okay. If you, are, if you need something to go into our bulletin for this next week, be sure and uh, contact the church office. You have the number there. Contact Karen Oldham if you have a prayer request of some sort. We will always be sure and do that. I'd like, this this time, instead of praying a prayer, I, th- I found something that I thought was much more eloquent than I have could say it in words. So we will just simply bow our heads as though we were praying together. <clears throat> Lord, increase, increase our faith. We believe Thou art. Help Thou our unbelief. Give us a true, child's trust in thee and all thy strength and goodness. Cause us to rest with perfect confidence in all thy purposes and ways. Enable us to confide all our interests for time and for eternity to thy keeping. Give us, Heavenly Father, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of those things unseen, that we may walk by faith not by sight, looking not at the things which are seen and temporal, but at those things which are not seen and eternal. Scott is going to come bless our hearts this morning with a sermon. Let's remember him. God's works will speak through you very easily. God's grace is sufficient. That's what we need to remember. His grace is sufficient
1: tree
2: ladies, that was great. I'm so glad we didn't miss out on that. Thank you for remembering. (laughs) It wouldn't have been as good if it had been a quartet because I I wouldn't have been able to uh, help out with that at all. I would have just messed it up. So that was very special trio. We're gonna have more trio specials soon. I'd like to hear that. Speaking of special, I think we had a special day with someone yesterday. Was that Marlon? Okay ah, somebody had a birthday so, uh, recently? Okay, well, happy birthday to you. I might have missed some other ones, so uh, sorry, I just uh, a little birdie told me about you. but uh, happy birthday. Good to be uh, back with y'all. Well, wow, we've had a, a whirlwind road trip for a while, and we had a lot of fun. We uh, sorry, I missed being with y'all this past Wednesday. We had a little detour and didn't get quite get back in time when we thought we would, but um, trust everything went well uh, Wednesday. Um, it's been two weeks since I've, this is, since I've been with you. So pop quiz right off the bat. Anyone remember what the main scripture was last time I was with you two weeks ago? All right. I'll give you a hint. It's on your bulletin this morning, too. All right. So that's right. We're using the same scripture as we did, uh, as we did two weeks ago. 1 Peter five eight. I just couldn't get away from it, Um, and wanted to share some more about it with you this morning. The last time I was with you, we considered together the importance of knowing your enemy. Remember that, know your enemy? I believe someone uh, shouted out uh, from the crowd uh, last time and said, it's Scott Lamb, (laughs) because the title said, know your enemy, Scott Lamb. But anyway, I'm not your enemy, and we uh, we talked about that, and we figured out who our enemy was, and it's not easy, it's not difficult to figure out. When we read scripture, we see that our enemy is Satan, and we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces, and um, he is, and we talked about the enemy, and we talked about the importance of knowing your enemy. So allow me to refresh your memory about the topic by reading you... Again, what Dr. David Jeremiah wrote about that I read last time. He said, "...many Christians do not take the enemy seriously because they don't know enough about him to take him seriously. In fact, Satan's cleverest strategy is to make us believe that he does not exist or that he's not a real threat. Some Christians do not even believe in a literal devil. Instead, they believe he is a biblical symbol for evil." But that is not the position of the Bible. The devil is every bit as real as God is. And that was a quote uh, something I'd read from Dr. David Jeremiah, and I agreed with it. So that, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we dove into some scriptures, and uh, we tried to learn more about Satan and his schemes. Remember, we said that he's scheming. And uh, this all in an effort to better prepare us for the battle that we're facing. So we read Peter's warning about our enemy, 1 Peter 5, 8. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So this will be our same key verse this morning. It's a warning about our enemy, but Peter's also saying what should be done. Be of sober spirit. Be sober. Be on the alert. That's the New American Standard. Other translations say, be self-controlled and alert. Another one says, keep your mind clear. Be alert. Another one says, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Another, be alert and of sober mind. And I like this one. Keep awake. Watch out at all times. And another one simply says, stay alert. Watch out. So they all bring the idea of being sober. I believe it would be helpful for us to kind of camp out on this verse again today and uh, look more closely at what God's Word would have for us concerning this idea of being sober. As far as the spiritual battle that we face is concerned... Could we pass a field sobriety test? You know what that is. If you get pulled over by an officer for, and they think uh, they, you may be under the influence of something, they'll have you do a sobriety test to see if you can pass that. In our spiritual battle that we're in, could we pass a field sobriety test? Are we sober to the fact, to the reality, to the truth of what we're facing? So what does it mean to be sober? The definitions here. Sober. One, alert, keen. And I'll add my own little application here for today's purpose. Tuned in to hear God. Keen, tuned in to hear God. Number two, not under the influence of anything that could dull your senses to or distort your perception of the truth of your surroundings. I like that one. And it goes on to say in that same one, not intoxicated. Not intoxicated. That's what we normally think of when we think of the word sober, right? And the third definition that's listed is self-controlled. Self-controlled. Not under the control of something else. You might hear, there's lots of things we could be under the control of. You might hear uh, a guy say, I was intoxicated. <laughs> or I was controlled by her intoxicating voice. She like lulled me in, or whatever, you know. Things can control us and intoxicate us. Having control over your senses so that you can best deal with your surroundings. That's sober. Having control over your senses so you can best deal with your surroundings. So we can be controlled by many things, right? By hunger, <laughs> by anger. Mike can even combine those. Anybody ever been hangry? We can be controlled by those things, right? Uh, By hate, by fear, by heat even. (laughs) We can be controlled by heat, uh, by intimidation, by obstacles, things that get in our way. We can be controlled by these things. But we have to be on our toes and and, um, not let things of the world control us. The only thing that we should allow to control us is God or the Holy Spirit. Remember what we read in Acts chapter 2 about the day of Pentecost. On that day, the observers on that day accused the people who were under the control of the Holy Spirit to be, what, drunk, to be intoxicated. Maybe they were in a sense, but it wasn't caused by wine like they thought. Many things can intoxicate us and change our behavior. God wants us to be alert and sober-minded. The only kind of intoxication, if you want to keep following that word, that would be acceptable is by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moving in our life. This would mean that under the control of the Holy Spirit, so much in His will that our actions and our behavior would be controlled by God. So why does God... Want us to be sober. Why did Peter write this, what we read in 1 Peter 5 8? Who was Peter addressing it to anyway? So Peter's letter was to Christians that were scattered throughout five Roman Roman provinces. These Christians were under persecution and suffering, persecution socially by their friends and their family. These were people who had just converted. ...to Christ, who was saying he was the Messiah. And a lot of people didn't believe that he was. So these friends and family of these new Christians were persecuting them. Also, they were persecuted religiously by the Jews. And they were even under legal persecution by the Roman government. Because this letter was written at a time... ...at or about the time of Nero's persecution of the church... If you ever read anything about Nero, he was a Roman leader who's remembered and recorded by historians as inflicting severe and vicious persecution on Christians. I believe it was during this time that Christians were horribly mauled and devoured by lions in the Roman Colosseum. And maybe this is why Peter uses this word picture in the Scripture about the lion seeking to devour. So Peter was writing to these Christians to encourage them to stand firm in their faith. He's reminding them that though they should place their confidence and their faith in God, they should not just be careless. Christians are to be sober, to be on the alert. The verse right before it, verse 7, is one that you'd be familiar with also. It's talking about casting all your cares on God because He cares for you. And then right after that, He says, be sober. So He says to cast all our cares on God, but He's not saying that they can be careless or carefree to the point of not being sober and vigilant. He tells them in verse 8 to be sober. And today as well... Christians, we are to be sober and on the alert. You might be thinking, well, Scott, today is not at all like it was back then, and these Christians that Peter was writing to. You're right, things are different. These people, these Romans back, I mean, these uh, Christians back in this time, could have literally been in imminent danger from day to day for their physical lives in a real fight for survival. And today? Well, I've heard missionaries over the years uh, tell about the persecuted church abroad. Maybe Zanya has stories. I know she keeps in close contact with lots of missionaries, but I remember Charlotte telling us of of, uh, lots of underground churches and secret churches because of the fear of persecution. And even today we see of the persecution of Uh, of some, like what's going on in Afghanistan in recent headlines. And um, so there is persecution of the Christian church going on even today, but what about us? What kind of persecution do we face as Christians in America today? Sure, there's some, to some degree, but how does it compare? Regardless of what you think about that, Would you agree with me that God's word through Peter to Christians is just as important now? Be sober. Be sober. To us, it may be important in a different way, but it's still God's word for us today. So what does it mean to us? Why would God want us to be sober? Sometimes uh, we can get a better picture of something if we can look at it from the flip side. So let's flip this around, talking about sober. What does it look like to not be sober? What does it look like to not be sober? How do we lose our sober-mindedness? One, we forget we're in the game. I'm coming to find that one of the main things uh, that a, um, a preacher can do is to remind you is to help you to not forget. It seems like a big theme of things that uh, I've done over the last few months is just reminding each other not to forget. So how do we lose our sober-mindedness? Sometimes we just forget we're in the game. We lose touch with the reality that we're in a battle with Satan every day. Two, we lose our sober-mindedness just by being distracted by little everyday things. It takes away our alertness about spiritual things. We touched on this a little bit uh, last time I was here when we talked about one of the schemes of Satan is uh, noise, noise, being noisy, uh, distracting us with things like that. On our trip, you may have, I don't know if you follow Facebook, Rebecca is great at posting pictures and stuff like that. Uh, my phone died along the way, so I never had any of that. <laughs> it's still dead. So sorry if you've been trying to get in touch with me over the last few days. I still don't have a phone. But, um, but on our trip, we saw a lot of great athletes. If you don't know, we went on a baseball tour, baseball stadium tour. We saw some great athletes on the baseball diamond. And it takes great focus and acuity to be successful in the game. In contrast, have you ever watched a t-ball game? (laughs) Or maybe the little ones, uh, the little young ones at Little League or something like that, despite the coach's best efforts to stay on your toes, stay on your toes. It's not very uncommon, I'll say it is common, to see um, the little guy out in the outfield watching the butterfly flutter by or chasing the grasshopper in the grass Instead of paying attention to the game, we get distracted easily, right? And how about us, too? Don't we get distracted by things easily? So how do we lose our sober-mindedness? We forget we're in the game. We get distracted by little everyday things. And third, we get caught up. Caught up in the routine of life, in the physical needs of life. Things that we really need to get by from day to day, but we get caught up in those in that routine and we don't have our mind on eternal things one day we wake up we find that we're far away from God it's like a sheep grazing in the field keeping his head down munching on the grass feeding his belly going on along not really looking up getting further and further away from the shepherd and from the rest of the flock and he looks up and they are nowhere to be found they're far away from the shepherd this leaves the sheep wide open for attack and highly susceptible to being devoured by the prowling lion I was fortunate enough to go on safari in Africa several years ago oh man it's hard to think about how long ago that was (laughs) it's been about 20 years I guess and, uh, but on that trip, on that safari, uh, we got to see lots of great things. But one of the things was the lions. We saw lions, and we saw water buffalo. The water buffalo, they would, um, they would stay in their herds. They would stay close together in their herds because there was safety in that. Now, one thing that God showed us, he would point out to us said, okay, see that one straggling behind right there? That's lunch. We're going to come back and find him later. And sure enough, we, that was a morning one. We came back for an evening safari on the same area. And sure enough, in that area, there was a carcass of a half-eaten water buffalo, and the lion had gotten them. And he was saying the ones that straggle behind, the ones that get separated from the rest of the herd, they're the prime target. And they're the ones that the lion goes after. And it was interesting to be able to see that firsthand. So what does it look like to not be sober? Forgetful that there's a battle going on in the first place. Distracted by little everyday things that get our attention. And third, caught up in a routine and have misplaced our focus on the physical filling our belly instead of the eternal things. So God wants us to wake up, to sober up. And that's what the title of the sermon is this morning, Sober Up. Like I said, mostly when we think of being sober, we think of being sober-minded, of sober thinking. But what the New American Standard Version says, be of sober spirit. We have to somehow focus on the spiritual realm. After all, that's where the real battle is. We read that earlier in Ephesians. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. So if you think this is not the truth or you never set your mind to think about these things, Peter's word to you is wake up, sober up, be on the alert. We need to be careful that we don't let our guard down. Uh, Remember Benghazi a few years ago? Um, Senator Robert Corker, who was then with the US Senate Committee on Foreign Relations said, the attack on Americans in Benghazi on 9-11-2012 is a stark reminder that our nation must remain vigilant in protecting our citizens from the threat of al-Qaeda and similar extremist terrorist entities around the world. world. What caught my uh, eye on that was remain vigilant. We must remain vigilant, be sober, be on the alert. So what things might impair us from remaining vigilant? Might impair us from being sober, A person that's pulled over by an officer for driving under the influence, for a DUI, could be under the influence of several things other than just alcohol. Could be marijuana, or street drugs, or even prescription drugs, or even over-the-counter medications. You could be under the influence of lots of different things that could impair you from driving a car. So what things can impair our minds and keep us from being sober and alert Christians? Maybe you didn't know, but I've had a drug problem pretty much all my life. From a very early age, since I was a little boy, my mama drug me to church. (laughs) On Sunday mornings, she drug me to church. On Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, she drug me to church. So I've had a drug problem all my life. That's not my joke. That's somebody else's. I stole it. But even today, really, I've been dealing drugs all my adult life. And if you don't know, I'm a pharmacist, so it's all legit. I work for a pharmacy, so it's all legal. But my background in the pharmacy uh, world no doubt has influenced where I'm about to go in the sermon for the rest of the time. Because I'm going to compare some things that might influence us, that might intoxicate us, that might impair us from being the sober Christians that we should be. we will gonna we'll compare them to drugs, okay? So just stick with me here. So the first one, what could impair us from being sober Christians? One, the drug of self-pleasure. The drug of self-pleasure. This drug causes us to constantly seek ways of pleasing ourselves, of pleasuring ourselves, and keeping us entertained. I wish I'd written it down. I was reading something about how many billions of dollars Americans spend every year on entertainment, just to keep ourselves entertained. And I didn't write the resource down or what it was, but it was a high, high number. Entertainment. The side effects of this drug of self-pleasure are nearsightedness, nearsightedness. And what do I mean by that? we're only able to see things for the short term for the for the temporary satisfaction that it gives us and we can't see down the road to the long term effects of it so a side effect of the drug of self-pleasure that can impair us is nearsightedness there's a strong warning about the addiction about addiction for this drug The more self-pleasure you indulge in, the more you'll want. It's hard to get enough of self-pleasure, and its side effects are much more long-term than its desired effects, which are short-lived. The drug of self-pleasure is highly impairing for the Christian walk, and those under its influence cannot be sober and alert to God's ways. 2 Timothy 3 4 says, They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Let's be a lover of God instead of a lover of pleasure. All right, the second drug that could impair us from being sober Christians the drug of laziness. Drug of laziness. This drug causes us to desire idleness and a constant feeling of restfulness. It leads us to despise work or any activity that would take away from our rest. And its side effect is one, confusion. Confusion, this side effect of laziness. It leads to a misunderstanding in the difference between leisure and laziness. Now it makes sense that I'm uh, saying this now because I just got back from a ten day leisure trip, right? <laughs> so, so there is leisure is something that's important. Uh, leisure and relaxation are important in our lives, but we have to be able to distinguish it from laziness. There comes a time to work. Those who are under the influence of the drug of laziness can't distinguish between. Recreation and relaxation and laziness. Laziness makes you think that it's always relaxation time and never work time. Another side effect of this drug of laziness is gossiping. Ooh, I'm not looking at anybody. I'm looking back at the door. Gossiping is a side effect of laziness. Second Thessalonians 3.11 says, For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, Doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. That's the New American Standard. NIV says they are not busy, they are busybodies. Hmm. Laziness leads to becoming a busybody or a gossip. A gossip. An idle person who does no work ends up filling his time with less than helpful activities like gossip laziness. Laziness can impair our Christian walk. If you often find yourself maybe with your nose in other people's business, you might be underemployed. You might could be under the influence of laziness. And maybe if we find ourselves like that, we should just look for a task to do for Christ or even just for our family. Look for something to do and get to work a good dose of work will sober you up from the dulling and deadly effects of laziness and get you back on track to being alert to the work that God wants to do in your life. So, the drug of laziness. That was a hard one to get through. <laughs> a third one, third uh, drug that may impair us from being sober minded Christians the drug of self pity. The drug of self-pity. This drug is often taken when people are going through suffering, maybe persecution or some other difficult times in their life. It's intended to help you feel better. You have a bad situation going on, you take this drug of self-pity to help you feel better, but it's not really all that effective. And it does have side effects. The side effect of the drug of self-pity is isolation. Isolation. Let me explain. If during hard times we resort to self-pity, we start feeling alone, weak, helpless, cut off from other believers, so focused on our own troubles that we forget to watch out for the danger that's around us. It's in times like this, intoxicated with self-pity, that we are especially vulnerable to Satan's attacks. Like I said earlier about the water buffalo, Satan will first attack those who, in weakening and difficult times of suffering, allow themselves to be isolated from God and from his people, from other believers. They straggle behind, and Satan just snatches them up. Maybe you've seen this happen. During times of suffering, let me encourage you. We all go through suffering. We all go through difficult times. Don't let that be something where you isolate yourself from others. I'm going to encourage you during times of struggle, during hard times, seek out other believers. Stay in the herd. Be in there with them. Be with the flock. This may be a takeaway for you. When you struggle, don't straggle. Right? When you struggle, don't straggle. Keep your eyes on Christ. Resist the devil. And James says in 4, seven, He will flee from you. So now let me give a word to the church. A word to the church here. We're a family, right? We've been talking about that on Wednesday nights. What is the church? What are we? We're a body of believers. We're a family. We need to have each other's backs and watch out for each other. Let's be careful to be watchful. And notice when a brother or a sister is struggling, when he's falling away, when he's having a hard time. Let's be compassionate toward that person. Loving. Surrounding them with love. Surrounding them with support. Surrounding them with grace. Huddling up around them, as it were. We're a family. We're a team. Let's huddle up around each other if we notice someone who's who's straggling behind. Not letting them straggle behind and become a prime target for that prowling lion. I've got another drug, but we're going to skip it. Enough about drugs. (laughs) So if we want to be sober for God, it's good to be able to recognize these things that could impair us from being so. Seeking the pleasures of this world, a life of laziness, and self-pity in times of suffering how well do we abstain from these things in our effort to stay sober you know I've um, done some research into these drugs <laughs> I found that they're all made by the same manufacturer they're all made in the same manufacturing plant hell, hell. Satan is the main drug rep <laughs> he's peddling them He's pushing them hard. He's uh, convinced millions of doctors around the world to write millions of prescriptions for them and he's con- because he's convinced them that these drugs help promote a better way of life. But Satan is a liar. Remember, we read about that about him a couple weeks ago. These drugs are deadly because they all impair the minds of Christians so that they are no longer sober to the truth that we read at the very, very beginning. Be sober, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around. The devil doesn't want us to be sober. The devil doesn't want us to be sober. He wants us to drop our guard. He wants us to put down our shield of faith. He wants us to drop our breastplate of righteousness and our helmet of salvation. All these we read in Ephesians chapter 6. He wants us to not be alert to God's ways, but be focused on our own self-pleasure, on our own weaknesses and our own failures. When we're impaired like that, we straggle behind. We straggle behind the shepherd and the rest of the flock, and the lion will devour us. So what's Peter's word to us? Be sober. Be alert. Let's close. Why does God want us to be sober? It boils down to two reasons. He wants us to be constantly aware that there's a battle going on. We've gone over that. He wants us to be sober, alert, not let our guard down because he knows that those who do are easy prey for Satan. That's the first reason. And the second reason... He wants us to be sober to spiritual matters so we can be tuned in. Tuned in to hear God's voice, His leading, His direction. To be best used of God, we've got to be sober so that our thinking is focused on the eternal rather than the temporal, physical things. We're to be sober in spirit. In Ephesians 6, I touched on it, but let's... uh, Let's get into that as our our closing way of thinking here. Ephesians 6, it deals with both of these concepts of soberness. Verses 10 through 17, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it talks about uh, putting on, being strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. The struggle's not against flesh and blood. And then it talks about putting on the full armor of God. Remember that passage? So that you'll be able to resist the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So the the armor. If there wasn't a real battle going on, we wouldn't be told about our armor that we have. We wouldn't be told to be alert and staying sober. But there is. And he tells us about our armor. He says, gird your loins with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness having shod your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all that, take up the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So these through verse 17 talks about this spiritual battle that's going on. And then in verse 18 and 19... Says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the Gospel. Verse twenty goes on to say, For which I am an ambassador in chains. All come in full circle, isn't it? <laughs> From the, the messages that we've had over the last few months about working in the kingdom, serving in the kingdom, being an ambassador, the ministry of reconciliation we have, and then this battle that we're in. This battle that we're in here and the, being sober and being alert, being aware of our enemy that seeks to kill us. I thought of this verse when um, she was giving the prayer request for carving. Said he's going to be um, on this trip. He's going to have several opportunities to speak, and this is what it's telling us as, as part of the church. We're to be um, with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the Spirit. Be on the alert and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my uh, opening of my mouth. As as brothers and sisters of Carvin. He's on a mission right now and he's going to have opportunities to speak and open his mouth and utter the the secrets and the message of the gospel of Christ. And we're to be on the alert and realize that there's a devil that doesn't want him to do that. There's an enemy that wants to stop him from doing that. And we're to be on the alert and be praying for him. Be praying for him. Be, Be alert about praying in the spirit about things that have eternal importance. In closing... I'll just say this without going into all the scripture about it. Remember what happened when Jesus went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was taken away to be crucified? Remember, he took his closest disciples with him and he said, Stay here, watch, and pray. What'd they do? They fell asleep. (laughs) They fell asleep. Not once, not twice, three times. They fell asleep. And Jesus is saying, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And that's the secret to that. We have to be watchful and prayerful. If we find ourselves sleeping, the word today for us is wake up. Wake up. Be sober. Be on the alert. There's a battle going on right now for our soul. Can you, like Paul, say, I have fought the good fight? Remember that scripture? If you, can't, you can't say that if you're not sober and not alert enough to know that you're even in a fight. Right? I have fought the good fight. There's a war waging for our souls. Let's be sober so that we can fight the good fight. Just two verses before that passage, Paul says, he charged Timothy... But you, be sober in all things. And that's my charge for you today and for me. Let's stand as the musicians come forward to lead us in a closing song. I'll pray while they're coming. Dear Father, we're thankful that we have victory we're thankful that we can cast all our cares on you because you care for us. But God, the uh, very next thing uh, Peter says is to be sober, be on the alert. We can't just be care, careless. God, uh, you are our victor. We have our victory in you, but you tell us that there's a battle going on and that we can't just let our guard down. We have to be on the alert and be sober. God, I pray that you'll help us to be aware that maybe just in the foolishness of preaching, as someone had said, that you can use the words that were said today to maybe bring light to someone's mind about the things that might impair them, that might intoxicate them, that might keep them from being sober. And when we're not sober and on the alert, we're easy prey for Satan, for our enemy. God, help us to help each other to be sober. Help us to surround each other, to, um, to keep each other uh, huddled up, to, uh, to stay to stay together with each other. Help us to be watchful for those who might be going through a hard time and might have a potential to straggle behind and be easy prey. Now, we're a family. We're your family. God, we're thankful for the victory we have in you. Help us just to stay vigilant, And to be watchful and prayerful. Right now, I I touched on this, but I pray specifically right now for Carvin. And the situation that he's in, the opportunities that he has to speak. God, I pray that you anoint him as he's able to speak boldly and with confidence the gospel message. And that people will come to the kingdom because of it. God, we're thankful for the opportunity to partner with him in that. God, we lift him up right now. God, I pray for each one that's here this morning. There's something that's going on in their life. Maybe it's been brought to their mind today that there's something that is impairing them from really living the life that you have called them to, from being sober to that. God, I pray that you'll help them to get that all straightened out today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Let's have our closing prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for meeting with us this day. We thank you for Scott and the encouraging words you sent through him. Lord, make us watchful and know that we are never alone, that you will not forsake us. You will be with us and always be aware there is an evil one who wants to destroy anything pertaining to you and your glory. Give us a safe journey, Lord, and remember all these dear requests that we mentioned this morning. Keep us close to thee,
1: we pray. Amen.